Today I'm talking with lead author David Jahowski about his paper about the movement behaviour of African elephants. Morning, David. Oh, good morning. Now, if we could start off by, by talking about why it is important to understand the factors that influence the movement behaviour of elephants. Yeah, well, there's a couple of really important reasons. Uh, first of all, from a kind of a large-scale conservation perspective, uh, elephant, con elephant conservation depends on the connectivity of populations. So if we have a better idea of how elephants are moving, why they're moving, what factors influence their movement, we can help uh, ensure that connectivity. But also, where I spent a lot of time working in South Africa, there's a huge issue with human-elephant conflict, and this is a problem throughout much of Southern Africa. And if we can understand how elephants are moving kind of at, this, at different scales as well as uh, what factors are influencing their movement, we might be able to get a better handle on uh, managing that conflict between elephants and humans. Right. Okay. So specifically in your study, you were looking at how stress could affect the movement behavior of the elephants. So what were the main results that you found? Yes. Well, we found that stress was, uh, seemed to be correlated with their movement by forcing them into areas that they thought of as refugia, so areas away from uh, human disturbance or potentially just related to habitat attributes of those areas. Right. And interestingly, there was also this aspect of the area we studied had an active uh, timber plantation. And so we weren't really sure to start out with what they would be doing in response to this uh, kind of man-made habitat, but it looked like they were also using that as a kind of refugia. Uh, and so there's some certain uh, human dimensions aspects there in terms of tree pushing and damaging some of those mm -hmm. commercial trees that we tied into. Yeah. So, um, so did you find, you found that they, uh, when they were more stressed, their, their stress was a little bit more elevated and they're moving towards the commercial tree plantations. Is it that they were moving towards that or is it actually living or moving around in the commercial tree plantations made them more stressed. What's the causal nature of, of, of the responses that you were finding? Yes, that's a great question. And so the, the problem with kind of these correlative studies, and we weren't able to tease this out, is it, is it the commercial tree plantation that is causing the stress or are they already stressed and just moving into these tree plantations? Yeah. And there's some weight to both kind of potential explanations because these commercial tree plantations uh, were fairly tall, a lot of them, so they offered some forest cover. And so they could be seen as cover by these elephants. And of course, the trees are nicely spaced, so elephants can move around underneath them in the, in, under the canopy. But mm. there's also this aspect of diet. And diet's been known to influence uh, stress hormone levels in a lot of herbivores, particularly elephants as well. And so it could be that there's some relationship between the elephants foraging on this, these gum uh, plantation trees, and there could be a diet component involved there, potentially linking it to uh, just occupying these, these uh, tree plantations could cause elevations of stress levels. So we weren't able to tease that exactly out yet. That might be what we will get next. Right, okay. okay. So, so um, what sort of distances were the elephants moving in any particular day? Yeah, so we were working in a, in a, in a fairly uh, small, by African standards, at least by Botswana and Kenya, uh, reserve with fenced boundaries. And so they were able to move across this entire reserve, if they wanted to, within the span of a day or two. Uh, so the, the reserve itself, uh, I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, 
but it was uh, reasonably sized in terms of they could have access to most of the reserve within a short amount of time. Right, okay. So this research relied on getting accurate, you know, positional fixes of the elephants at any particular time. So how did you go about doing this? Yeah, so the, the nice thing about elephants is given that they're so large, we can put uh, fairly accurate uh, GPS collars on them in these with large batteries. And so once these, we put a, typically put a collar on one female, uh, usually an adult female within a, a herd family group. And then because we know from, their, from behavioral studies that these elephant family groups tend to be uh, fairly consistent over the years, we can kind of assign the movements of that one individual female within the group to the entire group. Uh, so the, the accuracy of these GPS units uh, is usually fairly good. We, we were able to have an accuracy of around 25 meters, we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, so we were fairly comfortable with that. So could you, could you give us an indication of ha- how you actually go about putting a GPS unit on such a, a massive animal? I do a lot of research on, on small mammals, and it's easy to, to capture one of those and put a little collar on them, but... I can imagine that it's logistically a little bit more difficult to do that on an elephant. Yes, yes, especially in uh, some reserves where there's thick forest cover. So usually uh, these animals need to be uh, seen from the air by helicopter because uh, when they're in these thick, dense forests, they're hard to, to see on the ground. Uh, and then also there's this issue of, well, you need to get it near a road where it's fairly accessible to people on the ground mm-hmm. uh, so when it goes down you can have your team come fairly quickly. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of intricacies there with, you know, being able to, to measure out the right dosage and, and making sure you have the animal down and making sure it falls in the right position and all those types of things. And in this particular park we wrote about in this paper, uh, these elephants are known to be people killers. And so there's been at least right. two park employees that died within this reserve, and it's also closed to the public. So they're not... Uh, too used to seeing people, and they're certainly not uh, very friendly when they're encountered. So I presume it's a big operation when you're wanting to put on your, your, your trackers onto the animals. Yes, yes. It's not something you just go out on a weekend and say, I think I'm going <laughs> to start an elephant. It's usually a, a team of people and a lot of professionals and vets and things like that. So how long would you usually spend out there on site for, for the research? Yes. So, so my, for my part, I, I usually uh, only went out there... Uh, the first time, actually, I went out there, I went out there with a guide employed by the reserve, and he assured me that we would not see an elephant uh, probably during my stay and that they, they would all be gone. And so what they did was he drove me out, and he said, well, we're just going to look at the habitat. Let's mm-hmm. give you a feel for the area. And we were driving around and driving around, and he saw elephants up in the road about a, a, you know two kilometers ahead on a hill, and he just slammed on the brakes. And he said, well, tour's over. He was ready to go home because he was just finished telling me about some of the gruesome details of the park employee death right. because I had a morbid fascination there. Mm-hmm. And so he, so the, the, the truth is that I, I rarely ever saw the elephants when I was there. Right. And we also had a large, uh, a large contingent of park employees. And there's also within a lot of these parks, there's, uh, there's roving security details of employees. And so they were also helping with collecting some of these fecal samples. So... Um how how do the park employees make use of the data that you collect? Is is the, the, the movement behavior useful for them in their management? 
Yes, well, that's an interesting thing about some of the new technology that's coming out, particularly out of South Africa, and it's picking up in other countries as well, is they're using this real-time tracking. And so, as you can imagine, these large GPS units and battery packs that are able to pull on elephants last for a couple of years, and they're sending real-time locations to managers if they want them. And so they can get text messages on their cell phones that day where the elephants are, and they, or they can track them by computer uh, through email messages and such. So the, the neat thing about the movement is that if we, can under, if we can provide insights into how these animals are moving on the landscape and they're getting this real-time tracking information, they can link it into their management plan. So they can predict when an elephant might decide to cross a boundary or potentially when an elephant might be in an elevated physiological state and dangerous to humans. And so they might not want to let their park employees over there, or they might want to rethink opening an area to the public. And so there's some neat aspects to this that are starting to be teased out with this uh, new modern technology that they're employing. Yeah, that's, that's a really neat system for a win-win situation for the, for the scientists and the, and the managers themselves. Yeah. So are you continuing yeah. with this sort of work? So you've, you've moved from, this research was based at the University of Missouri, but now you're at Virginia Tech. So are you continuing yeah. with this sort of um, research? Yeah, so we're still working a lot with the University of KwaZulu-Natal over there uh, in South Africa. Uh, we're, we're moving more towards the kind of the management implications of some of our findings, and so we're working on this concept, like I just mentioned, about virtual fences and the idea that we can start managing these populations with this real-time tracking data uh, and just kind of rather than erecting these expensive fences, we can start to think about how managers can go out in real time and potentially haze animals back or alter their management plans. Uh, and then we're also starting to tie some of this into what we're doing here in the U.S., and we're starting to reintroduce herbivores into portions of the U.S. and thinking about uh, what examples from South Africa can we bring over here uh, to wow. improve our management. Yeah. yeah, cool. Very cool stuff. Well, thank you, David, for, for talking with me today. Oh, sure. It was my pleasure.